0: Earlier this month, The Expats was featured on CBC Radio. On the podcast playlist show, they highlight podcasts from around the world centered around a particular theme. The episode that featured The Expats included five other adventurous podcasts about travel. CBC chose episode 27 to feature, and in that interview, I spoke with Han Vincent about her life in Norway. Check out cbc.ca slash radio slash podcast playlist and look for Six Adventurous Podcasts on Travel. The segment on The expats starts at about the 24-minute mark. Huge thanks to Podcast Playlist for the recognition. To any and all listeners of the show, thank you for tuning in. You can always reach us at info at expatspodcast.ca if you want to tell us what you think of the show or you know expats, we should be talking to. Also, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, on with the show. Everyone says Italy looks like a boot, and it does, a high-fashion woman's boot dipping its toe into the Mediterranean. But the Republic of the Congo on the western coast of Africa also looks a bit like a boot, a rugged hiking boot wedged in next to five different African countries, including Gabon, Cameroon, the Central African Republic, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and the Angolan exclave of Cabinda. Congo was a former French colony and was part of French Equatorial Africa, a cluster of countries that included Middle Congo, Chad, Gabon, and the modern Central African Republic. Congo achieved independence from France in 1960, but it wasn't an easy transition for the country. Uprisings meant the military took over shortly after independence, and the next few decades meant strife for the West African nation, including uprisings, bloodless coups, and a civil war. Things have somewhat settled down, since a peace treaty was signed in April 2003. Congo is home to many different ethnic groups, including the Congo, Sangha, Teke, and Mboshi. There's also a contingent of Europeans that still live there. At least one thing Congo shares with Canada is a significant petroleum industry. Oil accounts for 92% of Congo's exports. The capital of Brazzaville is home to an estimated 1.8 million residents but Brazzaville didn't always used to be the capital. Before 1960, that designation belonged to another city. And that's where we're going today, to the city of Point Noire in Congo, right on the West African coast, on the expats. Welcome to the expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. You never know exactly how an expat adventure is going to go. In Lisa Stadnick-Webb's case, it meant leaving Canada and a job she loved to start her expat life in France.
1: Well, it wasn't really an easy decision to make because I was newly married and the decision was based around my new husband's job, so I didn't really see that much excitement in it for me because I liked the job that I had. So it was a little bit difficult to leave my family and my friends and my job, but it was a good opportunity for us as a new couple and a possibly growing family. So we took the adventure, but it ended up becoming more of a lengthier adventure than we initially
0: thought it would be. How long were you uh, expecting to stay in, in France for? And how long did you actually we, stay?
1: We thought it was three years. So, and at the point when we left, I, I wasn't really excited to be going. So I said, okay, three years and one day and we're back out of plane. we're going back to Canada. <laughs> but by the time three years came around, I was really loving it. And I really didn't want to go back home at that point. And we stayed in France for five years.
0: Wow. That's amazing. What was it about France that you, uh, that you fell in love with?
1: Oh, so many things! Uh, my life really changed when we live in France. When we lived in France, because I went as, like I said, a newly married person, and after three years of living in France, I became a mom, and we became a family when we were in France. Both of my daughters were born there, so I think for me that was the biggest attachment because that was home. That's that was the only home my kids knew, and it just made it. So normal, that was our normal life as a family. It wasn't like this once in a lifetime opportunity that we got to go on a vacation to France. No, that's where we lived, and that's where that's all my kids knew. That became very comfortable for us.
0: Was it uh difficult for for you transitioning from Canada to France? Did you speak any French already?
1: I thought that I spoke French <laughs> when, I, when I went there, I was quite confident, I took some French classes in Calgary where we were living before we left, and my husband, who is French-Canadian, suggested that I might wanna take a few more classes (laughs) before we left, (laughs) and I was like, no, my French is fantastic, and I sort of continued to believe that while we were in Paris, because it's very easy to speak English in Paris, or when you try and speak French people often switch to english. Right. And it wasn't right. until after a year when we moved to the south of France where there was very little english spoken, I realized really how terrible my french was. <laughs> so I spent the next 4 years trying to improve that.
0: And and then so you have kids there, was it difficult for you like you're adapting to this new culture, you're learning a language you thought you already sort of knew? Was it difficult to to have kids there knowing that your family was so far away in Canada?
1: Yes, it was difficult. And I come from a very close family. So I was really missing my kids having their aunties and uncles and cousins nearby. But I think it was easier because the kids were born there. Had we had our kids in Canada and we were used to having Sunday dinners and having grandparents around all the time, and then we had to leave, I think that it would have been more difficult. Yeah. But because... That's all we knew, and our kids were used to only seeing their family when they came to visit or when we went back to Canada in summer for vacation. So that was our normal. It always was our normal. I think it would have been harder if we started in Canada and then left.
0: For sure. So you went from from France, uh, uh, sorry, three-year experience there. Five. Sorry, five. And then, and then you made your way to Indonesia. Is that correct? Yes. We went
1: to Indonesia just last September, and we thought we were going to be there for a little bit longer, but just with the way that things were happening with my husband's work, it just turned out that the contract there was shorter than we thought it would be. So the transition of settling in got interrupted by finding out that we would be moving again.
0: Yeah. So, so
1: in Indonesia, last year was very, um, we were kind of constantly in motion. From the time we got there, we were waiting for our belongings to arrive, and it was only a couple of weeks after our things arrived that we found out that we would be moving again. We knew it would be in another eight months, but you always sort of have that in the back of your mind. Yeah. So, we our plans for being in Asia for three years and doing all this amazing travel kind of got shortened. We were able to do some and we did enjoy our time there, but it wasn't for as long as we thought it would be.
0: So was there really any time to sort of integrate with the, the culture in Indonesia?
1: Um, there was because we had um, we had help in our house and, and the the ladies and gentlemen who helped us were Indonesian. And so there was, it was like a community within a community, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we did, of course, not as much as we would have if we stayed there for three years, but far more than we would be able to experience, say, had we only been there on vacation for a few weeks.
0: Right. Of course. Now I was reading through your blog and it sounds like you were, while well, you were in Indonesia, you were living in a compound of some kind.
1: Yes. Uh, my husband works for a French company, which is why we were in France for that time. So we were in, um, I say a compound, but it's more like a a closed community
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, with French people. So the transition was very easy for our children because they continued going to a French school, and all of our neighbors were French. And my struggle with the language continued on, so that was lovely. <laughs> and um, so it was. Everyone had a house, and there were streets, and a school, and a um, like a community center with a pool. So it was all within the compound. So it was more of what you would picture a Canadian neighborhood to look like? Okay, but there was um, there was a gate at the entrance. So I, I guess what we would consider a gated community in Canada
0: was the reason for that because of the the social situation in Indonesia, or is it just kind of the norm when um, when foreign countries have business interests in other places?
1: Um, that's a very good question that I don't necessarily know the correct answer to, but I'm assuming that's just how it had been. The company had been there for 40 years as had these houses. So I, I don't know necessarily the reasons behind why it started or why it was set up that way, but we never had any safety or security issues while we were in Indonesia. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I, it was just, that's how it was always done for us. So that's,
0: that was your normal.
1: That was our normal. Right
0: on. And so so a short period of time in Indonesia and all of a sudden now you're living in Africa, in the the Republic of the Congo, actually, which is which is also a French speaking country. So was your landing in Africa relatively soft compared to uh, when you arrived in in France and when you arrived in Indonesia? You
1: know what? Strangely enough, it it was really okay the transition. And I had never been to Africa before. I never in my life would have ever imagined that I would be living in West Africa. <laughs> um, well, I should say I had been to Morocco, but that isn't the Africa that I'm living in today. Um, so I never assumed that we would be living here. I never could even picture what it would be like to live here. So I didn't really know what to expect. But yes, it is a French-speaking country. So again, the transition for my children is quite easy and it's a it's a little bit easier now for me, yes, because I can speak French. (laughs) So the the day to day is easier. The I can go and set up my phone without having to do charades or I can go get groceries with I I can read what things are. That aspect is different. It is easier, sorry, but there's some other aspects of daily living that is obviously a little bit different. Yeah. And I think it also it depends where you where you came from before always sort of affects your next location, for me anyways, because I came from being on a compound where there was not many, very many English speakers around mm-hmm. to arriving here in the Congo. And although, again, I'm on a French compound, there are other English speakers in the community and there are events that happen. So um, I have more social opportunities here. Right. So to speak. So I enjoy that.
0: So are you guys living in the capital or are you in a small town somewhere?
1: We're in Pointe-Noire, Congo on the coast. Ooh. So we're not in but we're on the coast, yeah. It's nice.
0: So when I when I think of the Congo, I have very limited knowledge about this place as I imagine many North Americans do. I just imagine jungle. What's it actually like there?
1: Um well, I think that that's a that's a good representation of what you would think and what I thought. But where we are, we're in a city. So Point Noir is on the coast, it's in in the city. So I haven't actually ventured out far past there. I mean, on the weekends, we go 45 minutes this way up the coast or 45 minutes that way up the coast. So I haven't experienced the jungle aspect of it. But there, it's, it's okay, there is There's lots to do in terms of social activities that are created by other expats because it's a small town Mm -hmm. and we need to make fun to have fun, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I think I know what you mean.
1: So there's different organizations that set up activities, um, things to do on the weekends. A lot of people go out to the beach on the weekend. Other than that, there's not a lot of jungle in my day-to-day life.
0: (laughs) W- was there any kind of uh, culture shock you experienced when you arrived in Pointe Noire?
1: Um, not so much. My my biggest issue, and having said this, if this is my biggest issue, then I guess that's okay. <laughs> it's very sandy. <laughs> the The streets meet dirt very easily, and it's kind of um, the pavement and the sand are easily interchange- interchangeable. So. I came here thinking, oh, we're going to be near a beach. It's going to be hot all the time. I was in Canada this summer, and I bought my girls all these cute little sandals, which they will never wear now because (laughs) they always have sand in their toes, no matter if they're at school or walking down the street. So they always want to be in running shoes (laughs) or bare feet. Those are our only options. Wow. So (laughs) they either have their runners on, and then they just take their shoes and socks off, and they're in their bare feet. Or but that feeling when your feet are trapped in your sandals and there's sand in there—that happens very
0: often. Yeah, that that sounds unpleasant. Uh, an interesting little thing that you'd never even think of.
1: Yes, and that and like I said, if that's my biggest issue, it's not so bad. We're not. It there's no safety issues. We feel very comfortable here. Everyone's quite friendly. It's just little things like that that you never think of growing up in northern Ontario. That's a non-issue. <laughs>
0: Now, you've, you've sort of documented some of your experiences. You've contributed to a few different books, and you've actually written a couple of, of children's books, three of them, as, as if I'm correct. What was the inspiration yes. to do those, and, and what's, what are those books all about?
1: Um, well, our family traveled a lot when we were in Europe, because in the French school system, every six weeks, the kids have two weeks of holidays.
0: That and sounds that amazing.
1: The adult holidays kind of follow suit with that, uh, which is fantastic. And so being in France, we wanted to take advantage of our location, and we were we were traveling a lot. And it was something that just was really natural for our family, especially when the kids were little. If we wanted them to see their extended family, we were flying overseas. So it was something that was done for us from the time our kids were eight weeks old.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And after a while we really had seen a lot of places and I'm not a scrapbooker and I'm not very good at organizing my photos (laughs) so I was feeling kind of bad that I wanted a way for my kids to remember some of these things that we're doing and I wanted to make it special and what I did was right and that was that's what came naturally to me so one day I just had the idea that maybe I can start writing these kids books about traveling and I made the characters in the books are, are actually my daughters so it was kind of a book slash keepsake journal for them and it also was something to keep me busy during the day so it was became a bit of a passion project
0: and how have they yeah. been received so far
1: really good actually Every expat I go on or have been to when I was in Indonesia, everyone was asking me, "Well, are you going to do an Indonesia book now?" <laughs> and as soon as I got here, there was people who had already knew me from my blog. And when I got, "Are you going to do it? Are you going to do a Congo book now?" <laughs> and and I want to do all these things. It just it it takes time. And there's yeah, it's uh, they they've been more well received than I thought because I thought it was just going to be something for me. And if a few people bought them that
0: was
1: a bonus but people like them so i'm
0: happy with that that's really cool now in your blog in a few of your posts you've talked about the expat community that forms and expands as people move around how has your blog helped contribute to the development of of relationships making it easier or i don't know i assume easier for you to sort of move into these new places and, and meet new people
1: well in the way that the expat community works and what I've mentioned in my blogs before is that you start out with a group of friends and your friends just are kind of how we are constantly in motion every few years, they're moving somewhere else. And after several years, it's, it's not often that you can find somewhere that you may be moving to where you don't know someone who has been there or is there or has a friend that was there. And, Um, how my blog contributes to that. For me, uh, this is the first year that this has happened to me, but I arrived at a place where people knew me before I got here because of my blog. Weird. Which was kind of neat. Yeah. It was was different and it was was really nice. And so (laughs) when I arrived here, people said like, oh, so did you get all your luggage? I, I saw you had so many suitcases. And I actually met a lady in the Paris airport, who stopped me and said, I read your blog, you Canadian expat mom. And I said, yes I am. That's really cool that you recognize me. And she was actually coming from Norway, and when she was leaving Norway, she had a friend there who said, you know what, I read this blog, the girl's moving to Congo. And she was moving to Congo, so her friend said, you should start reading this blog. And so that's how she recognized me. We ended up coming to the same place after we had met in Paris, and now we're friends here. So it it's really neat how the internet can connect people in in a way I never really expected it would have when I started writing.
0: Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it's great. So you've been on the road for a while now, and I don't imagine that you think of it as on the road, but you know, from my perspective sitting here in <laughs> in my office in Edmonton, Um, is there anything that you, other than friends and family, the sort of typical things, is there anything that you are finding you really miss about Canada?
1: Um, aside from friends and family, of course, um, is it shallow if I say Costco? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) That's, I I don't know why that's the first thing that came to my head, but Every time I go home, that's one of the first things my mom and I go to Costco and I load up on my Montreal steak spice and my taco powder and all the things that I know I can't get where I'm going to be living. Yeah. Uh, and not to say that I can't live without those things. It's just, it's nice to, uh, it's nice to go back to the grocery store and have all of the things that I grew up with and just being able to, to buy the things that are comfort food for me. Yeah. Uh, because I mean there there's great restaurants all over the world there you can buy clothes you can buy baby things you can really get whatever you need and you adapt to where you are I used to import things from Canada I still do but now we frequent France more often because it's closer Mm -hmm. so now I find myself importing things from the places I used to import things to if that makes sense
0: yeah it does
1: I used to bring things from Canada to France, and now I'm bringing things from France to Congo. (laughs) So you adjust, you adapt. Um, But aside from people, I would say my my comfort foods, my Hawkins cheesies and things like that.
0: (laughs) The real Canadian stuff.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Um, So you've you've been away for a while. There's no plan to come back to Canada anytime soon?
1: I would say that it's um, I think it all depends it depends where we would possibly be sent next um, we've just settled in here so we're definitely here for a little while longer and we know that it's not something we want to do forever um, I think it'll be really difficult as a teenager for example to be uprooted from your friends and we started this when our kids were well before our kids were even born and when they're babies It's very easy to adapt and adjust. And right now it's the same. And we still are in contact with the families that we lived in the same places before. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that our kids are friends with because they're at the age where they're friends with our friends' kids. So that's easy. But when it gets to an age where your kids choose their own friends and that becomes more important to them, I wouldn't want to be continually moving. My kids around or our kids around, so there's going to come a time where we're going to need to settle down, like stay put for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I think that we'll just kind of let our family situation dictate that when that time comes for us. But right now, we're we're still okay. We're still happy.
0: <laughs> That's good. Any any advice you'd give to uh, other Canadians who maybe are being shown an expat opportunity? And not sure whether or not they should take the plunge?
1: Well, you just took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say, just take the plunge. <laughs> because sometimes, like I said earlier, I I didn't want to to move initially. And it's been such a wonderful experience. And I think that sometimes along the way, life presents opportunities to you that you didn't even necessarily know that you were looking for or you wanted. So... You can always tell what the future holds, but if you don't try it, you aren't going to find out.
0: If you're interested in finding out more about what Lisa's present and future holds, you can follow her adventures at CanadianExpatMom.com. You can also find more information on her three children's books on her website. That concludes this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca. Or send me an email yourself, and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the expats on the iTunes Music Store, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And make sure you leave us a review. We're going to take a bit of a break over Christmas, so our next episode will be a rebroadcast of an earlier episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in 2017.